Hello, everyone. And this is Jacob. Before you get to this podcast and hear everything that we're going to talk about, this was a part of our Thanksgiving PD little mini series. We did three podcasts and a PD this last Saturday on the 25th. All of that is available on our Patreon listener plus supporters can get all of the videos and everything. This is the first podcast that we did about it, the first live one, but there are much more. So if you want access to all of this, and if you want the PD that we did where we gave actual concrete examples of the things we talk about here and in the other two podcasts that are available right now at Patreon, go to patreon.com slash craft and draft. You can also find that link in the description. Pam Ochoa, I have a question for you today. And that question is very simple, which is in the classroom, when you have students reflect, a lot of the times kids struggle with getting their thoughts on the page. How do you encourage the reflective process? What's something that you've done over time um, or back in the past or something that you've come to realize is an effective way to get kids to reflect? Uh, what's something that you've that you've gotten together, put in front of kids, and it got them to where they were able to be reflective in a quality way? What's something that comes to mind? Well, one of the first times that, well, I think the first formal time uh, that I had kids reflect years ago was when um, I wanted them to reflect on their writing in their portfolio. So they were creating a portfolio, a, a hand, not not digital. It was really, but uh, one of the things that we did, and I got it actually from my master's because we had to put together a portfolio. So, so their reflection. So I took a half a sheet of paper, folded it in half. We cut, you know, and I cut it right. And so I gave them this half a strip of paper, uh, you know, regular paper, but half a strip. I think it was more like a cardstock, had a little more thickness to it. And so the novelty of that kind of made it a, di- a little bit different, a little bit special. And then I would ask them questions. But what, and so the questions would be things like uh, look over your piece. What are some things that you learned about your own writing? Uh, maybe I would ask things like, what do you want to do in the future? Uh, knowing what you've learned, uh, what was the most the favorite part of your writing? Uh, what was the most difficult part of it? And so I'd ask little questions like that. And, but I put them on this so, so they, it was not as daunting because it was a narrow sheet of paper. And if they needed another sheet to go with it, they could either write on the back or do that and then, uh, or get another sheet. And so when we did our portfolio, so they would have their, the way it would look is they would have their, um, their reflection and then they would have their, their uh their grade if you will and then after that they would have their actual piece and so it kind of went like that and so so that's what we did for all of our major pieces through the year and then we actually invited parents through PTA to come in and then they would you know we talked over those portfolios we did that years ago that was uh, a long time ago but anyway the thing is 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 what I really got them to do to write is I did one of my own and under my document camera, we actually, I, I did one for myself. So that way I modeled what I wanted them to do. And then uh, plus another thing that really helps is those conferences. So when you're actually through the process, 
conferencing with the kids, having the kids conference with you, have them conference with each other through peer sharing and things like that. Uh, I think doing that verbally throughout the process, when it comes time to reflection, they already have kind of an idea of, of what to write because they've been given feedback to other people and, and feedback uh, from the teacher and Etc. So we've had we built a community, if you will, and so then when it's now time for them to look at their own, um, we've done that. The other thing that you know they're they're more apple able to do it. But another thing too is we would create a rubric first, and uh, or I'd show them the rubric, and then uh, that was another thing they would look at is their rubric. So I even had them do a grade. Like they would grade themselves based on their own rubric. So I created a um, a diagram. So I took the rubric and turned it sideways. And so you know how you have those descriptions in your rubrics, like mainly did this, uh, used a lot of detail, uh, you know, the paper flowed, organization, you know, all of that. Those like six traits of writing. So I took those descriptions and put them on the bottom, and then and then built. Um, had the kids, we did, um, bar graphs. And so, so I put the, a, a little line as to anything below this line fails on star, for example, and anything above this line. So like, so it might be set at whatever the star was. So if it was anything below a two failed, anything above a, a three was exceptional, right? And so I did it like on a scale of, of uh, zero to four. And so in that line, they would do their bar graph based on based on that line. Um, and uh, so, hey, Leah, <laughs> I think we got somebody in here. So anyway, but based on, on that line, right, then uh, the kids would rate themselves on that rubric. And so that would also be in there. So it'd be the reflection, the, that rubric, where they graded themselves, then, you know, where I graded them as well. And then they would have their, their whole entire, their, not their, but their piece or final piece in there. And so that's how we did. That's our re reflection. So. Man, I love it. And the wonderful topic of everything. Leah's popping in just as I'm about to intro. So she's going to hear this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is S. Payball Chubb, Jacob Chastain. We are two English teachers down here in the state of Texas doing what we love, talking about reading, writing, and so much more. Today is a special episode. We're talking about, this is a beginning of a small little series we're doing this Thanksgiving break, where we are looking from where we came from, looking to the future to refresh fresh our reading and writing workshops for the spring semester and then put it all together in a wonderful training this Saturday. So whether you're catching it live like Leah just joined uh, and uh, hanging out or whether you're catching this later, it's all leading up to Saturday night, central time, 7 p.m. If you're hearing this on the free feeds, which this piece of the episode will go up on the free feeds uh, this Friday, then that means the event is tomorrow, which let's look at the date, Miss Ochoa. That way I'm not just speaking. Mm -hmm. randomly it'll be on the 25th so mm -hmm. if you're doing nothing on the 25th you want to jump into some wonderful pd join us over there on our patreon you can hop in do a wonderful little event with us 7 p.m uh just like all of our other patrons are which are amanda andrea brandy courtney destiny donna Lori. 
Lori, Nalissa, Rebecca, Sarah, Susan, Tracy, Alicia, Amy, Carol, Hannah, Jen, Leah, Mark, Matt, and Natalie. They all have access to the training that we'll be doing on Saturday. So come over, join us. If you can't, no worries. It'll be up whether you're hearing this in the past. What? In the future, I guess? You can't hear it in the past. Um, Maybe you could. Who knows? Who knows what kind of technology we have open in the future, Miss Ochoa? But regardless, today we're jumping into all kinds of things. So let's get to it. Artie, Miss Ochoa, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing okay today. Took care of my granddaughter. So yeah. I haven't seen her in a little while. Look, can I give, I'm sure Lee is going to be super excited about this topic. Can I give an update <laughs> on my truck situation real quick? Oh, we need that. Because cause it's the car saga. <laughs> we can't live without that. It's just on my mind at all times. Okay, so, so how's your truck? How's it going with your truck, Jacob? Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe we should save it for the question tomorrow because we're going to be doing this again tomorrow. No, go ahead. You've got okay. Leah all interested. In, I know she's on. This is I'm like interested what she lives now. For. We can we can think of another oh, one tomorrow. My goodness. Okay, this is wonderful. So I was like, so uh, the the truck has been fine. Okay, there's no there's no issues with that. But I was wanting my windows to be tinted they're not really dark and so i have like it's technically like i guess privacy glass like in the back but in the front it really wasn't tinted and i was like you know what i'm gonna look at it. once i looked into it it's really not that expensive so went and figured it out went and got them today but the interesting thing was is that the laws around tinting are really interesting are you familiar with these laws miss ochoa in texas well no <laughs> okay i know i know you have to be able to see in but yeah, but there, you know, there's some nebulousness about it a little bit. I mean, they have the percentages and stuff online, but here's the thing. And did you know inspections are going away in Texas? No. They're going away. Greg Abbott, our fearless leader down here in Texas, signed a thing to where they're going away. So in 2025, you no longer have to get your car inspected. Well, that's going to save you a little bit of money. It's going to save you a little bit of money. It's also going to allow me to get a little bit darker windows. So I went ahead <laughs> and oh went just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. Anyway, it looks very nice and it's it's kind of weird going through the whole process and stuff. But um, anyway, so I'm, I'm adding now custom things to my vehicle after, you know, if I'm going to go into debt owning this thing, I might as well make it look pretty. You know what I mean? Like this I is so. this is the philosophy that I have. In any well, case... Well, that's kind of like my brother. He's done all that stuff, and he's even got decals that you can't see. And oh. I'm like, God, you know, you guys, you guys in your trucks. That's right. <laughs> it's it's a man thing, I guess. I don't know. It might I, be. Whatever. In any case, let's talk about looking back. Okay, so here's the idea for everyone is we are really trying to focus in on this time of year, right? So we're closing out Thanksgiving mm -hmm. week, Thanksgiving break, and then it's like a three-week time period roughly leading up into Christmas. And this time is the point of there's testing going on, there's evaluations going on, there's gearing up for that big long Christmas break, and then everyone starts fresh in the spring. And I don't know about you, Ochoa, but I know this was always a time where I was trying to figure out where exactly my kids were. How much progress have we made from August until now? And so I thought it would be interesting to kind of break down just some of our favorite ways to 
gather information and see where we are. So we can kind of take this from any angle you would like. And Leah, since you're sitting here in the chat, um, you can uh, you can say things verbally if you would like, or you can type in the chat and we can have a little back and forth as you come up with questions if you want any, or you can just sit there and hang out and laugh at us being dorks. But um, <laughs> truthfully, um, Ochoa, I wanted to ask you just in your time frame. Uh, have you always treated this time like the, like the three weeks kind of leading up to Christmas break that last week as a reflective time, or is that something that came later in your practice? Well, I think usually I, by this time I'm feeling kind of failed. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I had all these ideas at the beginning of the year and we're going and then I don't know what happens, but then all of a sudden the kids are like not behaving the way they're supposed to be. I'm not getting done as much as I can. I can't get all those uh, conferences in. I can't do so. So I'm usually feeling a little failed. So, so I think what happens here is I usually go back and I look and see what did I not get done? And a lot of times when I go back and look, I find out, Hey, maybe I did pretty good. I mean, cause sometimes I'm feeling really down. Cause you know, you have those days. I mean, the thing about teaching is it's up and down, right? And you have, and it's up and down in the day, not to mention the week and especially not mention the month. I mean, it is an up and down thing. So I don't know, that's pretty rough. But so usually what I did when I looked back, I started looking back maybe more to make myself feel better because it was more of what have I, what have I made sure the kids have gotten but then over time, when I became more, more, uh, I would say student centered, it became more on, well, what have the students actually learned? I mean, it's not what I covered that's most important, you know, through my journey. It was more of, well, what are the kids able to do became more important. And are we going to get to where we need to be uh, by this time? So that's when I kind of started looking at it. And it started off with me just looking at the standards what all have I gotten in? What have I not gotten in? What do I need to make sure I focus on? And then when testing became faster, because with computers and technology and with all these data systems, right? Because used to, we we would have to do all of our data by hand. I mean, you'd have to go back and look. And I mean, it was more difficult. But when it when we got all these computers and everything, and then they started getting all these data programs, right? Like Eduphoria, those things that we can do, you can just punch a button and it runs the spreadsheets for you. So when it became easier like that, then I would, you know, learning how to do all of that, I would look at different skill sets and what are the kids, what are they actually able to do? And then now we're, what we do benchmark tests. And I mean, we have so many different ways to look at it now than we didn't have when I first started. So, um, so, so by doing that, I'm able to really get a, pinpoint on what the kids can and cannot do. And so now I look at what the kids can do based on their testing and based on their reflection, like we talked about a minute ago on on their writing and things like that. And then I go back and say, okay, well, what have I covered? And if they're struggling in here, then I go back and see, did I cover it? And what did I do when I covered it? And then I start making plans on what I need to do next. I don't know. Is that what you wanted to hear? Always. I mean, here's, here's where I started thinking about this is before, uh, you know, I think about just early practices, a lot of my reflection came from just, you know, we were closing out a unit, right? This was when that time of year, I think, I don't know if, I don't think we said this on the the podcast, but when you and I were planning this, um, and kind of planning the topics, you said, yeah, this is the time where people do plays. This is where drama comes in. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody wants to do that. And I have to always fight that. Yeah. 
And so I always thought it was interesting. Christmas Carol. Yeah, right. You read something for the time. It takes up to three weeks. You do a nice little project to close it out. But Mm -hmm. after a while, I stopped wanting to do that so much. And I leaned much more into uh, what we're talking about here, which is really kind of gathering up a summation of what we've been doing um, with with all of our effort at this time of year. And I guess a good question for me and one that I think I want to pitch out as I guess a, a piece of reflective content for our listeners is, you know, really thinking about what what can serve as information as to where you've come from, right? Is it Mm -hmm. a big test? Is it a project? Is it um, kids writing? Is it their reading? Like, what are you wanting to look at as growth? Like by this point in the year, where should kids be? And I know for me, at least in my last few years of my workshop teaching was, uh, I really like by this point in the year, I wanted every kid to have read at least one independent book, every kid to have written several pieces that they enjoyed. Um, and then a nice close to, uh, the unit. But it was also like one of the other things I took into account is, um, really asking kids to be reflective of their own practice as well because you know they're excited by the end of it well a lot of them are you know they're wanting to go to christmas break they're getting antsy like you said behavior this is the time where behaviors start kind of creeping back up and you're like what is going on here everyone just needs a break um but i found that doing surveys also was a really good grasp on where my kids were Um, and I like to pair this with the survey at the beginning of the year too. If you haven't done a survey at the beginning of the year, then I would say, use this as your first one to where you ask your kids, you know, how do you, how many pieces have you written and let them write that? How many books have you read? How do you feel you've grown as a reader? How do you feel you've grown as a writer and getting kids to even reflect in that way at this point in the year, I've always found a pretty strong practice. Um, I actually talk about it in rightfully empowered, but I did that with their writing, um, and just kind of charted their own reflections on that. And I always thought that was a good grasp on where the kids were in general. Um, when it comes to you, did you, I I don't remember if you did surveys when we were working together, but is that something that you found was useful is to get a, a grasp on what kids were thinking about their growth? Yeah. I mean, I, I've used it. I probably don't use it as much as you did. I think there for a while, every bit when the monkey survey and all that came out, there were so many surveys that the kids were like, ah, oh, another survey. And so I think that's probably what happened. So what, what I typically do is at the beginning of the year, when you're talking about that survey idea, I take that and, you know, we do like a brochure. And so mm-hmm. they do that me as a reader and me as a writer. And so we kind of look, so I do have the kids reflect on the things that they have read and the things that they do, but I kind of do it more uh, in a visual format where they can, you know, if they like to illustrate things and they can draw it all out for me. And that's pretty cool. Cause you know, like I like to see like, if they like science fiction then they might put some sort of design in there that kind of indicates science fiction and just oh, so let's designing their own little brochures for you. Yeah. About telling me about themselves. So it was their own brochure about reading and writing. And so by doing that, so part of it, some of it, they wrote some of it they answered some questions or they made lists of the books. Like it was always their most favorite books. How many books have you actually read? You know, those things. And then they would tell me a little bit about the book, like give me a little one pager and one of the brochure 
panels. And so they would draw out their character and they would do things like that. So, and I had some examples that I showed them. And then, um, and then they always did their reading hero. And so then at the, in the middle, they go back and look at that. How have you changed? Do you still like those kind of books? Have you read another book? And so they can add to it. You could even have a panel uh, that they could add to later if you wanted to. Uh, I probably didn't do that as much, but because my question to you is, okay, so you're all busy reflecting and everything, but but there is a lot of pressure to stay with the units that everybody else is doing, especially when you work with a team. So how do you manage that? Because that, that's part of my problem is sometimes I won't get... Like I have all these big grandiose ideas and then I get to the middle of it. And then next thing I know, Christmas hits and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't get all that in that I wanted to get in. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the stuff I want to do for the kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, definitely when it comes to <laughs> how do I manage work on a team like that? You know me, Ocho. I'm just going to ignore you and I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty yeah, but not everybody can feels comfortable not, doing that, Jacob. But I do kidding. know you will do that. that I, I do never, know. not ever. Oh, no, I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, I think it's a good thing, right? I, I think you have to build it in. It works if you're on a team that wants to do this because, but I also don't think it needs to take very long. Like I think that, so the best way I did this was uh, the last kind of like two, three years um, in the classroom. And I, I did it best with riding, but they did. So by Christmas, they had to have, I don't know, I don't remember what the number was. It was whatever, like, the calculated number was. I think it was, like, six full pieces minimum should have been in their portfolio by then, right, based on kind of where the units were. Um, and so that – what I had is by that point, what they did is they went in and they read their six pieces and they picked the one that they thought was most reflective of their learning, of their growth, and everything else – um, but I did this in a project format. So for like a week, we and I remember I, we connected the um, the because right here, I'm trying. Sorry, I'm blanking on myself because I'm trying to picture myself back at our old middle school and all the little chaos that happened that last week because you have, you know, your uh, field days or whatever. You have your class celebrations. And so I'm yeah. sitting there thinking like, you know, and all the time that's being stolen away from your classes for this or that. Um, and so I use that time as like, I'm going to block out like these five days where it's going to be the reflective piece and that's going to be their quote unquote, like final test grade for the semester. And so they had a sheet essentially that they had to fill out and it was, you know, which piece is most reflective of your practice, why you had, they had to go in there and point out the things that they really thought were interesting. They had to reflect on themselves as a writer. So how do you feel like you've grown? What do you realize are your challenges as a writer? What do you realize are your strengths as a writer? And then moving into the spring semester, what do you hope to achieve uh, next semester based on where you're at now? And that gave it almost this very low stakes way of them reflecting on their progress or lack of, right? Because not every kid had the six pieces that they needed. Not every kid, some had a lot more, some had a lot less. Um, we've talked about on the podcast before, um, both in writing and reading that sometimes, you know, there's kids that come to you and they're just, uh, they're a struggling learner for this or that. They're not strong readers, not strong writers. And it might take until February for them to really start finishing books or finishing pieces. Um, 
And so, but I found this as a, a low stakes way because let's say they only wrote two pieces, right? By Christmas, only two completed pieces and they had to mm-hmm. do this kind of reflective process. They could still make a quality grade on the reflective process because all it requires them to be honest in their reflection. Right. And then what I did was I had conferences with them as we were going through. And so to answer your question, how to balance it, um, I just made sure to build it in, um, and to be kind of on the back burner. Now, when I was teaching a really high level workshop with kids that had been with me for two years, I was able to do this while doing everything else too. So this was almost like, it was like normal class was happening and the reflective piece was happening at the same time. And because it really wasn't extra to them, it was just every, it was like, okay, you have to finish this final thing in your writing, but you also need to, oops. And you also need to do, uh, this reflective piece in your portfolio and both are due before the end of the semester. Um, and it was really good. I've always found it super helpful to have kids do it because honestly what happens is they realize how much work they've done, right? It's the same thing when we have them Mm -hmm. look at their craft books and draft books, when they go back through them, they just realize like, holy crap, like I'm really putting in so much effort. Um, There's so many pages that are filled in here. Like, uh, you know, uh, wow, you, that's, that's another question that was on there too, is like, you know, how many, what page are you on in your draft book? Right. Cause let's say you've, you've only finished two pieces since August but you've written roughly, you know, 70 pages of rough draft or whatever you're, it's not like you're not writing. It's just, there's, there's a disconnect between polishing, finishing, doing all of those things. And that's a different problem than not writing. Um, and so I just try to create that environment to where I'm trying to gather all the information I can so that I know as the educator kind of where to move them. I'll give you a good example. So I just did a episode that just dropped on teach me teacher today with Jen Kleiber, old friend of ours, um, mm-hmm. about data gathering. And she had this really great quote that said, you know, the whole point of data is to just inform you as the educator what to do next. Doesn't mean you failed. Doesn't mean anything. It means this is the information of where everyone's at. What are you going to do with it? And I found that in reading and writing workshops specifically, the more nuanced the information I'm getting, the better I am at teaching the next thing I'm going to do. So when I'm looking at looking back, okay, so how far are we? It's not just, okay, so you've completed six pieces. It's it's, okay. Six pieces. Uh, what's the quality of them? How often are you writing in your draft book? How far are you in your draft book? How is your reading affecting this? Are you able to talk about the standards that are present in your writing or are you just finishing pieces willy nilly is, are you able to have a reflective uh, process on how you're writing? Are you starting to speak more like a writer? Like all of those things would be stuff that I'm trying to gather in these surveys, in these reflective moments, because to me, when I'm trying to, when I'm picturing like for writing specifically, when I'm thinking of growing young writers, I want them to speak in terms of writing. I want them to talk about how their craft has evolved, not just using kind of the school language, so to speak. I want them to talk about the nuances of, you know, I really like this piece was really, I was really struggling with this because I was, my voice just got lost in this section right here. Like that is a, a very high level reflection versus yeah, that piece was just really hard and I didn't want to write it. You know what I mean? Like those are two mm-hmm. different things. They kind of speak on the same struggles, but one gives me more information about where their mind is in terms of progress as them as a writer. So um, that I think is really hard to do though as a team, right? To stick with the whole team idea is is to sit down and go, okay, so what 
ideally should kids be talking about in reading and writing at this time? Where should they be in their reading and writing journey? It's almost it's hard to do that unless you gather data at the beginning, would you think? Yeah, you almost have to plan for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things, too, like if you're working with a teen, 